Welcome to episode 104 of the Put Ariana podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Dan, the man. You are Dan the man today for this episode. Y'all, I let Dan out of his cage. I saw the sky today. I saw the sky today. There's sunlight. Dan, what are we talking about today, bro? This was just a brain dump. It was me trying to step into Danielle's shoes and be logical and just share a bunch of stuff about the wedding photography world and jargon and stuff that I feel like cuts through everything that's out there and a lot of questions that people are going to have and hopefully answer questions about what it's like to hire a photographer and find somebody that is going to be a great fit for you. Yep. I love this episode. Y'all are going to love this episode because there's not just really good tips in here. Dan gives really solid advice on the emotions that go into booking a photographer and picking a photographer. So as we say early on in the episode, buckle up because it's really, really a good one. But if you have questions in addition to all the stuff that we cover today, or you just want to come on board and support us, y'all, the Ringer Club is growing and we are so thankful for your support. Please consider coming on to our Patreon, patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Join our Ringer Club. It's where you get direct access to Dan and I via our Facebook page. You get to ask us questions. You get to share your wins. You get to do all kinds of incredible, wonderful things within our community. And you can join for as little as three bucks a month for those of you that still want to join that early tier. So patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. And Dan, are you ready to- Take it away. Exactly. Take it away. Let's do this. Yep. Planning a wedding is hard work. Am I right? But you are not alone. Welcome to the Put a Ring on It podcast. I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner of DP Knack Events. I'm Dan Moyer, wedding photographer of Daniel Moyer Photography. Together, we are two wedding pros with a fork ton of experience sharing our best tips and tricks. And downright sensible advice for a wedding that feels good to you. Plain and simple, we got your back. Hey, Dan, are you ready? Let's do this. Ringers, I am so excited for today's episode because I did minimal work on today's episode. Uh, well, I did like 2%. 5%. 5% might be stretching. <laughs> yeah, how about that? We are talking about your wheelhouse here today, Dan. I'm so excited for you. Welcome to my world. All right, everybody, just come in, grab a seat on the circle rug, and we're going to go through this, and it's going to be great. There's hot cocoa in the back. <laughs> it's not hot cocoa in school. I was trying to be more like a school thing like kindergartners. Come in, take a seat on the circle rug. Can you imagine if there was hot cocoa in school? That would be dangerous. That would be super dangerous, but amazing. Yeah. Well, I guess there's chocolate milk. What's the difference? Heated. So Alice is all about like chocolate milk. And it's like, yeah, if you're gonna drink chocolate milk, that's fine, sweetie. Like you need the calories. And then Henry started hearing that. I think he got a taste by accident. And now <laughs> all the time he's just like, chocolate milk, chocolate milk. And I'm just like, ah, oh, buddy. You're adorable, but no, you can't have that because you're two. <laughs> in time, young one, in time. That's amazing. Well, Dan, we're talking about wedding photography today. I'm excited. I know we wanted to like cover a lot of things. Yep. What do you want to dive into? 
this is going to be like kind of the big, big guide to wedding photography, because I feel like there's so much out there and the learning curve is so steep and there's just a lot of industry jargon. And I thought that it was appropriate because we did some episodes on photography, like how to hire a wedding photographer. And that felt like that focused more on the meeting and maybe a little bit looking at like websites a little bit, but we didn't really dive deep. So I decided, you know what, it is not comparing apples to apples out there at all when you're looking at photographers. And I thought we had kind of a macro view and I thought it'd be better to take a micro view. So we are going to cover a whole bunch of stuff, everything from photographers' websites to what to include when you're reaching out and writing emails to the most important things to look at when you get that package list. Because again, we're not talking apples to apples here. There are very many different things and lots of photographers approach things very differently. Also, I've got some questions that I think will allow you to decipher if this person is a good fit for you more than what gear do you use? What do you wear? What's your approach? And some other things like what to expect after you hire them, should you send a shot list and what to expect after the wedding. So we got a lot. Buckle up. The seatbelt is engaged. The ding, ding, ding is off. I am in position and (laughs) ready to go. It sounds like based off of all that, we should probably start at the beginning, which is the website. I think that's where kind of everybody starts. So we're getting married. We know we need a photographer. Now what? Okay. Obviously, there's plenty of different places to find a photographer, but I'm going to say however you get there, you're going to start finding photographers and start creating a little spreadsheet of all these different photographers and whatever, but you're looking at their websites. Everybody starts here, and I feel like a lot of stuff blends in. Even when I was a photographer or even when I was initially starting out doing research and I was looking at photographers, I think my work is really amazing, and I couldn't tell the difference between a lot of photographers. I think when people look at my website, my work doesn't stand out. That's why I stopped asking the question, what picture did you see that you really loved? I think a lot of it starts to blend together. But there are a couple things I think you should start looking for, and you should start checking these things off. The number one is style. And when you come to a website, you're going to see different looks to different pictures. There's going to be what the industry calls light and airy, which is going to be very bright, super light pictures. It's very green. It almost looks like blown out or white. That is something that you're going to see a whole bunch. There's dark and moody. There's lots of flash and there's documentary and photojournalistic. Does that make sense? It does. So as a planner, I'm with you on some of these things, but this is where like, I know light and airy, I know dark and moody, And I know the other ones too, but I would always want you to unpack this a little bit more. So when you say, okay, there's like lots of flash, what does that look like? Okay. So dark and moody is the opposite of light and airy where everything just seems to be like way dramatic, right? One of my personal favorites at the moment. (laughs) Dark and moody? Yeah, I like it. Lots of flash is more difficult to have an eye for, but the thing about lots of flash that you'll see is if somebody's standing in the middle of a field at night and there's like a sunset and they look like they're lit up, that is flash. And the thing about that is that it takes a while to set up. It also can be very dramatic and I use flash all the time, but if you see a lot of it, that could potentially mean that there's time you have to spend setting up. It's not so like, let's go with the flow and just have this person document our day. It's more of a photo shoot field which kind of leads me to the last one, which is documentary, which I lean pretty heavily towards. And that is outside of the portrait session on the wedding day, outside of couple portraits and wedding party pictures and family pictures, I'm pretty hands-off. I let my couples do what they do and they give me something more creative than I could come up with. And 
I think if there's a huge list of people, I'm the least important person on that list and they shouldn't be spending the most time with me and they should love on other people, that kind of stuff. So as you're looking, you're going to see those different kinds of things. I feel like as a planner, when I'm talking with my clients about what kind of photographer they like or what styles of photographs they like, I often hear that, like, we don't want a bunch of pose stuff. We want somebody that's just going to kind of capture the day as it goes. Sometimes I think that they have a hard time figuring out what style in terms of coloring, whether it's super saturated or like you said, more light and airier. There's a bunch of different terms out there for all these different things too. But what I usually say is avoid things that are maybe a little bit too trendy, unless you absolutely love it, in which case I'm not going to fight anybody on it. But you want something that's going to last if you look back at photos that we have from weddings in 2013 and not your photos, but photos from other weddings I've done. It's really clear to me, like the trend at the time versus what it is now and all that. So I think there's some things that are a little bit more timeless, other things that are a little bit more trendy. And I think when you're talking about style, that's a really good thing to think about. And then there's also the idea of details and then people. Can you share more about that? Yeah. Every photographer pays lip service to moments. I'm going to photograph the moments and all that kind of stuff. But you'll see on their website more details and photos of things, which is great. Like I know some brides who like it's the only time they're going to spend $300 on a pair of shoes and they want those photographed. Totally fine. Painful shoes, but gorgeous shoes. <laughs> Painful, but gorgeous shoes. I've heard Badgley Mishkas are comfortable though. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like everybody ends up barefoot by the end of the night at some point. This is true. This is very true. Yeah. So that's one thing just to look for, like the words on websites, I think are important and what they say and how they describe themselves. But looking at the actual pictures, if you want somebody who's going to document the dance with your dad or the dance with your mom, make sure they've got pictures of that. But you'll see a lot of different things. So just pay attention to what you want as you're going through it and what you're seeing. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. 100%. And something we've talked about before on this podcast is that wedding day is not about a photo shoot. That said, if you are a couple that wants to eventually submit your wedding to any type of publications, you do want to find a photographer that has a mix of both details and people, because anytime you're submitting, those details are often way more important, unfortunately, than anything to do with people, because that is what magazines and publications want. Anyway, little side note there. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah. So you'll see people, you'll see details. The next thing really to look for is price. And I don't think that price is the overall deciding factor at this time. You know, there are plenty of couples who have come to me and I've slightly outside of their budget. But after we talk and after they've talked to a bunch of other photographers, they decide to go with me and they figure something out. They adjust their budget to accommodate me. And I know plenty of other couples who have hired photographers that were originally outside their budget or hired some vendor that was originally outside their budget. But one of the things to look for when you're looking for that is what do you see? Do you see a range of prices or do you see a starting price or do they just have all their packages laid out? It's not a bad thing if they don't have anything, but I personally like to see a little something, at least a range or a starting price, just to say like, okay, this is where we're at and we can go from there. Any questions about that? No, I totally agree. I think it's easy to immediately jump to the idea that if pricing isn't listed, ugh, there's no way I can afford this person. And I don't necessarily think that's always the case. I am starting to see more photographers list at least a starting point 
or something like on average, our clients invest between this and this on our services, which I can say as a planner is actually really helpful. I always take it back to buying a house. Like if your budget for buying a house is $200,000, you're not going to look at million dollar houses because no matter how amazing it is, you're not going to stretch to get to that point. And with photography, it's the same way that at least you have an idea of range. You can understand if you're close, if it falls within your financial comfort zone. And I really like that a lot too. Yeah. The last part about the website, I think, is the most important, maybe even more than pictures. And that is the about page. They've got to have something about them. And I really think that as you start diving in and you start reading a little bit about what people write about themselves, hopefully they write actually about themselves. It's not just, I was born with a camera in my hands. Ouch. Yeah, ouch is right. But who are they as a person? Is there something that you immediately have in common? Do they like Harry Potter? I talk about my wife and I talk about my kids. Like my approach naturally is very personal. So I put my personal side of things out there. That might not be what you're looking for. So maybe you're looking for somebody who's a super professional and they have just said they love to shoot sunset weddings and you are having a sunset wedding. But take the time and read about this person before you reach out to them to see who they are as an individual and if you think you might possibly click with them. You could even go a little bit deeper than that. Like if their about page is a little bit more simple, Instagram right now is an amazing tool that you can get a really good feel. Photographers especially feel for their work, a feel for their tone, their style, read those captions. If it's gelling, then it's a great sign that, oh, this could be the right person for you. So once our couple gets to the point that they're like, hmm, this feels good. And they're ready to make that first step. Where do they go as far as reaching out? What's that point? Because that feels a little bit scary, a little bit exciting. It's all the things. Yeah. A lot of photographers talk. Let's just say that. Like we're all friends. And it's really interesting when we all get like a copy and paste email because a lot of times one of us might not be available. So we'll send the referral to somebody else. And you can see when somebody just copy and paste. And that's totally fine, right? Like I get sometimes you might just be sitting at work and you're like, oh, I like these targets. I need to reach out. Copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. What I would say is if you really want to work with somebody, put a moment into it. We talk about the warm and fuzzies all the time on this. So if you are getting the warm and fuzzies from their work, set the tone by sharing a little bit about yourself, about your wedding, about the two of you, and set that tone for them to reply in the same way by starting the conversation. Yeah. And it's not really about giving all the information and word vomiting all the things. It's like dating. You want to make a good first impression. You want to share a little bit about yourself. You don't have to dive into every last detail of your day. But if there's something that you have or something that stood out about them to you, it's such a great way to mention it. Like it makes the recipient be like, oh, they read my stuff. Yeah. Flattery is also really good. Like you'd be surprised not that many couples say, hey, we really love your work or we love this picture or whatever. But just saying that is really sweet and just kind of like, I don't know, makes me put like a little pep in my step. And it's just nice to be on the receiving end of that. Like you are looking for somebody who is a good fit for you. Like you are creating a team of people who are going to take care of you on your wedding day. And photographer planner, are the two people who are going to be around you for a really long time. So like I said, you have to like your photographer's pictures, but you really 
really got to like them as a person if they're going to be around you for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. And so you want to give them some information about yourself to help them make that decision too if you're a good fit. Like I've received inquiries before that I could tell immediately. They're really excited about the details aspect. They're excited about the DIYing part of things. And so after we talk and stuff, we just end up not being a good fit. And I've sent them to other people who are super good fit. And I've gotten responses back from them being like, oh my gosh, this person is amazing after the wedding. It goes both ways. You know, we're running businesses here and I think we're all trying to do the best we possibly can. So we're looking to make sure that it's a good fit. And I think giving some of that information is helpful. Yeah, it's really a courtship in the beginning with any of your vendors. I mean, you don't have to share like all your vulnerabilities and all of that, just like you wouldn't, you know, on your first few dates. You don't? Well, probably I do actually, but it's about seeing if that connection is there. And this is where everybody has different personalities too. So I want to acknowledge the fact that there are vendors out there who do like these really short, Hey, I'm getting married this day. Are you available? They appreciate that. They don't want to know all the details across all vendors. Everybody has a different style, but leading and presenting yourself in a way that's genuine and authentic to you means that that recipient is going to know automatically like, oh, this is probably a step in the right direction or maybe a step in the wrong direction. And you can kind of go from there. And it's a really just nice way to start off the relationship, especially with your photographer, because like Dan said, you need to be close to that person on some levels. Yeah. And you know what? You're right. There are many, many different styles of photography. There's like the Walmart of photography where there's a couple big national organizations where if is maybe not the most important thing to you. You don't have to go with an individual like myself. You can go with them, but you can still ask some of these questions and still see if they're a good fit or check what their approach is, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so you have reached out to the photographer and they are sending you an email back. In that email, it's probably going to be two things. There's going to be, here's my package list and let's set up a time to meet. So let's talk about package list first. Before I dive into the things that are most important, know that there is a small subset of photographers who have kind of this build your own package thing where they're going to quote you and they're not going to send you a PDF or something of their prices. They want to meet with you first and they will give you a quote based on what they think your wedding needs. That's something totally different. We're going to talk about what I want you to look for in a package list because that's the more likely of the scenario that you're going to receive a PDF with prices on it. Right. If you've got a package list, this is where you want to know what to look for. If you're doing a build your own thing, that photographer is going to guide you through it automatically. So when they get this package list, it can be a lot sometimes. So what are they looking for? Like what's more important than other things? Okay. So a couple things that you're going to see is most photographers build their packages based on hours, how long they're going to be at your wedding. Some photographers will just have a full day coverage and that's kind of what their signature is, that they're just going to be there all day long. Which doesn't always mean all day. That is true. Some photographers cap it at 12 hours. Some photographers cap it at less, which I think is a little bit disingenuous. But you sort of know at this time of your planning process about how many hours you might need. But I would say, if you want to just be super simple, upgrade to full day and be done with it. But I would say, if you have the ability, don't worry about hours that much to start. If it's an eight-hour package, fine, go with that. And then add on hours later as the timeline starts to come together, maybe a month or two before the wedding, look and say, okay, well, if photographer leaves at this point and we back up eight hours, does that get what we want covered? And then you can just add hours on from there. So that saves you a little bit of money to start. Second thing you're going to see is digital files. 
Those are going to be the files to all of the pictures that are delivered to you. They're probably edited and you get them all. Fun fact is that no photographer gives away the copyright. It's just not an industry standard. So what you would actually get is you get what's called reproduction rights, where you generally speaking, you can print them any size, any substrate, any quantity, however you want. The only thing legally you can't do, unless you have some sort of other agreement with the photographers, you can't sell them to somebody else. So you couldn't sell your pictures to like a picture frame company. There you go. No matter how cute you are. But I often wonder, are those set up pictures that are in those awesome, adorable picture frames? They're like stock photos. Yeah. Probably. Anyway, so files, right? Files are something that for a wedding, I think you want. There are many pictures that probably will never be printed, but here's my one kind of shout out there, and this is going to come up in a little bit, but get an album. And if you can get a four by six print of every single picture that's ever taken from your wedding and just put them in a shoebox and let it sit there. A four by six is like 19 cents and just have it for the sake of having it there in case the digital drive or the USB drive corrupts or something like that. Yeah. And they're not going to be, in most cases, raw files. A lot of times I see people asking for raw files. Can you quickly explain kind of what's a raw file and why they don't want that? That's a really good question because you'll see that a lot where a couple asks for the raw files. Raw file, you need a whole bunch of editing software and understanding of these various techniques for editing pictures. Raw files, you can't do anything with them. You can't print them even. Like I said, you have to have special software in order to be able to even open it and edit it and retouch it and all that kind of stuff. What you want are basically the JPEGs. And a lot of times you'll see two things. You'll see like a full resolution JPEG, which is the ones you can print from. And then you might see like a social media sized one that probably has the photographer's logo somewhere on it, probably in the bottom corners or whatever, because of Facebook's whole media policies and all that kind of stuff. A lot of photographers will put their logos on the bottom of the pictures. Okay. So ours is important. Files is important. I feel like the other one is how many photographers are going to be there. Yeah, super good one. Not much to say other than this is where I kind of draw the lines. And maybe you could back me up on this. I always got your back. Yeah, it's high up there, though. So got to jump to slap it. So two photographers is not always necessary. I've covered plenty of weddings by myself. But what I will say is most photographers can do their thing and can hold their own by themselves. And it's not like your wedding collection is going to be bad. It's just that you will have a larger, more diverse set of photographs with two people. Now, it's not always necessary. So what I always tell my couples is, if you have under 100 people, eh, you could kind of go either way. I can cover the wedding and I can cover the people at that wedding. As soon as you cross 100 people, as you get towards you know 100, 125, when you get to 150 people, I almost feel like two people is necessary if getting pictures of people at your wedding enjoying themselves is important to you. Do you have any thoughts on that? That all makes sense. I totally agree with that. I think the way I look at it, which might be more logistical, it's the getting ready part of the day, especially when each person who's getting married is getting ready at separate places. It's just hard for that one photographer to capture both parties getting ready and leading up to the day. And for me, I look at it as getting ready is kind of part of the story of the day. So if that matters to my couple, then I usually say if you're separate spots, two photographers means that we don't have to stack the timeline in a way that is just based around photos. It can be a little bit more natural. Yeah. If you have the budget, 
I mean, Associate Lauren and I have covered like a 30-person wedding with the two of us. And what you said is exactly right, that there's a story on both of your mornings. And there's multiple special things happening in different places that require two people to cover. So if you have the budget, having two people there is super important. But everybody's got different size weddings, different priorities. So something to think about, though. Those are good, like, if-then statements to be like, okay, well, if we have a wedding that has more than this, then we should do that. Or if we're getting ready at two different places, then we should probably do that. Obviously, up to everybody to make their own decision, but those are good, like, mile markers, if you will, for all of that. Yeah, I mean, it's really easy that way. I feel like a lot of grooms, when I say, hey, man, do you need somebody to cover your morning? He's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. Um, who's going to be there with you in the morning? Actually, I've got these uh, two buddies of mine from middle school. We've got a couple guys from college. You know, this one guy from work and this one guy I've known since elementary school. I'm like, wow, you got friends from middle school and elementary school? It's like, yeah, man, super good friends. You've known them for half of your life? Yeah, man, totally have known them for half of your life. What do you think that those photographs will mean to you in 20 or 30 years of like, now you've known these guys for your entire life and you've got pictures of them there supporting you on your wedding morning? He's like, oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. It's like, yeah, man. Your story is important too. You don't have to worry about doing anything. It's just, you can be sentimental too, buddy. It's okay. There you go. And that's why Dan's best. Thank you. So what else in that package are we looking at? Or is there anything else? Yeah, I think there's two more things. One's kind of a bonus. We actually did a whole episode on this next one. It's episode 57 called Why You Should Print Your Photos. And I'm not going to dive deep in this here, but... Print products are something that I hope that you would see on every photographer's package list. And by print products, I mean an album is something I feel like you should see. Canvases and wall art and all that kind of stuff, definitely important, but I'd say at least an album. And the point is... 20 years from now, who knows what the substrate or the media is that we're going to look at pictures, right? It was CDs, and before that, it was cassette tapes, and before that, it was A-tracks. Technology is constantly changing, and I think that your relationship is worth way more than a cold USB storage drive sitting in a desk drawer somewhere. You print pictures that you love, and I think putting a album out that you can look at, it's kind of like fine wine, right? Like I hear, and I've been doing this for over a decade now, the amount of couples who say like, you know what? It just kind of sat there for the first couple years. And then at like year, like four or five, when some things changed in our lives and kids came and all that kind of stuff, we pulled it out pretty regularly, a couple times a year. And we look at it and we're able to reminisce and think about the simplicity of life at that point. It's important. I'm just going to leave it there. Print your pictures. Actually, one other thought on that. Some photographers might be upset at me for saying this. I say if there's going to be pictures that you print and give to friends and family or whatever, do those from like an online company or something like that. But if you're going to display something on your wall, if it's going to be meant to be displayed there for years and years and years, buy that from the photographer. It is an investment. We have access to professional labs with archival materials. If you get something from one of the big companies right now, it's not going to last that long. I can tell you that. It's a get what you pay for thing. And I feel comfortable calling out a company like Shutterfly because what they do is cheap photos and whatever. And that's great, but it doesn't last the test of time, which is ideally what you want these to do. So yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, like the processes are totally different, even in the printing and the materials used, like there's acidity and all that custom that comes into play. So anything you're going to display on your wall, buy that from your photographer. Okay. And you mentioned a bonus. I want to know the bonus. Love a bonus. The last is an engagement session. There are very few times as exciting as right now in your lives. That is if you're engaged. And life is going to constantly 
try to derail you. And I can tell you right now, looking back, that my wife and I have much less time for each other right now. But we have pictures from our engagement session hanging all over our house, actually more than our wedding photos. And I think the true joy of your engagement pictures, other than getting to know the photographer and save the dates, is being able to see I love you written on your wall or on your bedside table or a picture on your desk at work and just being constantly reminded of the choice you made and seeing I love you every single day. One of my past brides, Joanne, she's got three kids. Her and her husband live up in Doylestown. She says, she's like, those were baseline happiness. She's like, we're very happy right now, being very busy and with kiddos running around and all that stuff. But she's like, it started there, doing engagement pictures. I love that. We got into that a lot in episode 34, which now feels like 700 years ago, but it's definitely one of those things where it's, we're not in our wedding attire. We're just in our own clothes, very much looking like ourselves. And I'm a big advocate for engagement photos for sure. This is so funny. Like we talked about the website, we talked about reaching out, we talked about the package list. And it's so funny, like as I'm going through those, it's so logical. And I'm just like, okay, here's the next thing. And here's the next thing. I feel like you can hear it in my voice. I'm so not good with the logistics of busting things out or just sharing things in like a monotone way, but I'm here for y'all and I'm just trying to bust this stuff out for you. I'm sure you can hear the feels on the print products and that engagement session part. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's what you do really well and it shows. So once they have the package list and it's like, okay, we have kind of an idea what we want. You said that the meeting is kind of the next big thing, right? Yeah. So in that email, they're going to ask for a meeting. And I think if the package list generally looks pretty good, the next step is to set up that meeting. I'm a huge advocate for an in-person meeting. I know photographers, and it's kind of a thing within like the circle that they're like, oh, I don't need to have a meeting to book a client. I think that's wrong. I think you should meet with this person prior to booking them. And that means like it could be Zoom too, right? Yeah. I also should say, though, that like some of those big companies, you cannot meet with that person prior. You get to meet that person literally the day of your wedding. And if that's not a big deal to you, then forget what I just said. But I'm assuming that if you're in the thick of wanting to plan your wedding and hire a photographer who like you are hoping is going to capture this day in a very meaningful way, and you say, oh, these are the only things that I have, then this is the approach that I think you should take. And that is meeting that person in person. Dig it. Once they have their meeting set, I think what I hear a lot is, what am I supposed to ask this person? Or what are we supposed to talk about? And what are we supposed to do? And I usually say the photographer or whatever vendor that you're meeting with is going to kind of guide you through this. If they're worth anything, they're going to be doing that. But I know I'm also a person just myself who likes to do a little bit of homework and feel prepared. So do you have any questions that are like, oh, these are really good things that If you need it, this is a good question to ask or find out in that initial meeting. Yeah. So on my meetings, I run the meeting. Like I have a lot of questions that I ask to get to know couples on a deep level, all that kind of stuff. And then at the end, I obviously will give my couples the opportunity to ask me any questions that they want. And a lot of questions that I receive are ones that like the nod or something is just is throwing out there. And it's very like logistical questions, which is not bad. But I think if you have the opportunity to ask somebody questions about themselves or to help you just fit, I have some questions that I'm going to throw out here and talk briefly about why each one I think is important. So stay with me here. There's a couple of them. If you have any follow-ups, Danielle, or thoughts about them too, please jump in. Fair enough. 
So first question is, what is it like to work with you? Rather than what's your approach, what is it like to work with you? And I think that opens it up for them to give you a very broad answer or a specific answer about whatever's on their mind. I am somebody who I like to be very much involved in the process of planning the wedding. I'm along for the journey. But on the wedding day, I'm pretty hands off because I think there's much more important people than me who the couple should spend more time with. So that's what I would share. But another photographer would have a different approach, but it gives you an insight into what it's like throughout the process with them. And that's going to help you determine if that's a good thing. If they say, oh yeah, I'll just be in touch the week of the wedding. And you're like, no, I want like a connection with you. Then that might be a red flag that comes up. So that's number one. What is it like to work with you? Number two, how involved are you in the planning experience? Now, I am not a wedding planner. Other photographers are not a stand-in for a wedding planner, so don't ask them to be. Again, I think I just took the words out of my own mouth a bit ago when I said, if you want somebody who's going to be like kind of along for that journey, that if you have a wedding planning process that's a year, are they available to reach out and give you ideas for photos or ask about the formals list or talk about photo locations or any of that kind of stuff kind of leading up to the wedding day? Is it a red flag to you if they're not part of that and they just say, hey, you know, I'm just going to show up on the wedding day and that's it? So that's one thing to know, depending on what your taste is to ask them how involved they're going to be in this whole planning experience that you have. Feel me? Yep. Cool. What do your other couples say about you is another really great question where I think you can, rather than having them talk about themselves, it's really great and much easier to pull something out of somebody when you ask them what their other couples say about them. Another one is a really great one. Are your packages flexible or can we adjust them later on in the planning process? I already mentioned before about the hours. If you want to add them later on, is that possible? Okay, just a couple more. What things uh, do you request from us before the wedding day? Super easy question. Just something that maybe if you are a list maker, you can add that to your list and be a little bit ahead of the game and get those things for them. Can we see a full gallery is a super duper important one. I think that that's a pretty regular question that people are starting to ask now, but that's going to give you a major window into what that person's work looks like. I cannot tell you how many times I'm sitting in a meeting and one of the couple says that their friend got married and there's tons and tons of pictures of the stuff from the wedding, the centerpieces and all that, but there was no picture of the father-daughter dance or the mother-son dance or these other really important things like the time that grandma got out there on the dance floor, they were off in another room eating cake or something like that. So looking at a gallery gives you a much broader view of what actual work from this person looks like. Yeah. I think it comes down to, it's not hard for a photographer to get one amazing photo out of thousands that they take that day. And often that one amazing photo is what gets showcased on the gram or on their website. So once you're able to look at the full gallery, you then see, was that one photo just right time, right place and like luck? Or is this person really good at capturing all these different parts throughout the day where it's consistent and you're not just getting one or two great photos from your day, you're getting a bunch of usable, wonderful memories that you feel really good about. Yeah. And there's just like two or three more here that I'll just kind of bust through really quick. What's your favorite part about being a wedding photographer? A nice, very valid question. I like spending a lot of money on equipment. (laughs) Seriously. Gas, which is called gear acquisition syndrome, is alive and thriving in the wedding photography community. (laughs) Have you worked at our venue before? This is one that if it's a tricky venue, just good to know. But 
not a deal breaker. I try to work at as many venues as possible. I like to work at new venues. It allows me to be creative. But if that's meaningful to you, or if you want to be able to see how they photograph your venue, good thing to know. Last two are, are there any situations that make it difficult for you to take photographs of our wedding day? The reason why I think this is a good question is because some photographers will say that they're like a natural light photographer, and that's all they do is natural light. Well, if it rains on your wedding day and your ceremony is inside, are they comfortable with different techniques to still make great photos? That was initially the question that I had in my mind. Some couples have asked me that same question just because they're worried that their venue is too dark. It's big. It's wooden. The venue manager said, oh, make sure you get a photographer who's good at taking pictures in the dark or something like that. So that's just something like, are they comfortable in a variety of settings? I see it a lot with couples who are looking at a photographer who's a lot newer in the industry, who's maybe a friend or something like that. And the friend or the person that's a little bit more inexpensive says, I just love natural light. And I just do so much with natural light. And that's all well and good because I think that's a natural starting point probably for a lot of photographers. But as you get experience and as you get more education around photography, that's where you start learning and understanding what you need to do in those more challenging situations. And like Dan said, if you have a rainy day, like even your most light and airy room, it's going to be a little bit darker and there's only so much you can control there. So that's a really good question. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, for sure. There was a wedding a couple of years ago. It's at this venue that like overlooks this mountainside and it's beautiful and you go there for that view. And this wedding I had was like torrential downpour all day, like no break. And everything got moved inside. It's inside of a ski lodge. And I kept thinking, if this was like three years earlier, I don't know what I would have done. But since I have a bunch of tools in my toolkit, I was able to do different things and make moves and make great pictures, even though we were inside literally all day. And the last question is really, how do we hire you? What are the payment terms? Do we sign a contract? And this really should go without saying get a contract, make sure you sign a contract. As you're going through, take notes, compare a bunch of different photographers. I said this before, but you're creating this team of people and you want to make sure it's a good fit. If this person is not a good fit, or if you're uncomfortable with them, I promise you it's going to show up in your pictures. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's not good. I hear horror stories all the time. So find that person and have at least a little bit of a connection with them and meet with a bunch of different people so you have a good spread to choose from. Kind of reminds me of remember when we were teenagers and maybe not you, but I know I did this when I was a teenager and my mom wanted to take a photo because we were somewhere and I was like, Ugh, I don't want to, have to do this. And she took the photo. And then later I was like, I don't look good in that photo <laughs> because I was giving my mother attitude at the time. It's kind of like that. You need to like the person taking your photos. I like my mom, but I was annoyed with her as a teenager when she always wanted to take my photo. <laughs> yeah. And there's going to be somebody who sticks out. Let's put it that way. Yes. This one guy, Brad, that I'm friends with, I coach him. His whole thing is like, he's just super calm. Like he's the opposite of me, right? Like I'm on a wedding day, like I am a presence. But his whole brand is just that he is the calm person who comes alongside you and he is the calming force. And so everything that he does, he gets people who tend to be a little bit like anxious and they love him for that reason. And that's the kind of people he gets. So by asking these questions and by meeting with them in person, you're going to find somebody who's that good fit for you. Yeah, when you're leaving that meeting, listen to what your gut's saying. If there's like, Mm, some uncomfortableness or awkwardness, listen to that gut. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, meet with a bunch of different photographers and then you'll 
have a good place to choose from. So the next couple are actually a little bit more simple. I think the planning and the package list and the meeting is really where a lot of the stuff that I have to say is because it's so different, but I think it's important to cut through some of the BS that's out there and also just share some of the jargon. But the next couple of things, like obviously you pick your person next and it's booking time. You will do a couple things. Every photographer is a little bit different. Most photographers are going to have some kind of online booking system where you sign a contract, you select your payment schedule, you select your package contents, all that kind of stuff. But the most important things at booking is that you have a contract in place that protects both of you and outlines what is expected of both of you. And actually to make it legal, I believe, is that you have to pay a retainer or deposit or booking fee. Okay. So once you've done all that stuff, you're booked, you've got your photographer, what should a couple expect after they've hired their photographer? Super good question. And again, it's just going to depend. And this is hopefully something that you have asked in that meeting prior. There's going to be a ton of different approaches. Uh, Some photographers are going to be pretty in touch regularly. They might set up a call. They might ask to meet up. You might do the engagement session. They might email you regular and give you tips and things like that. Yet there's going to be other photographers who you sign the agreement and then you don't hear from them until the week before the wedding. And again, for some of you, that's totally fine not hearing from that person for a year, but other of you want that connection. So going into that, what to expect, maybe if you're unclear about that, but you still got the good feels, send them an email right after you sign the contract and be like, hey, what should we expect from you over the next year? Done. Yeah, I think that's a really fair question. What do you feel about a couple sending a shot list as they get closer to the wedding? There's another one that is going to vary diversely from different photographers. I think you will see a small group of people say, I'm okay to get a shot list that I just shoot the whole day from. Let's clarify also what a shot list is. Like, what does that mean? That's actually a good point because there's a family formals list with, I think every photographer should ask for a family formals list prior to the wedding of all the different groupings and things that you want. Yeah. It's like us with grandma, us with my mom and dad, us with their mom and dad, that type of thing. Yeah. But a shot list that we're talking about here is literally a play by play, a shot by shot of every single picture that you want in every single part of the day, right? So it's somebody putting my veil on, me looking in mirror with my mom, mom putting my boutonniere or my corsage on, or me putting my mom's corsage on, my mom and I holding the bouquet, looking at each other. Like it's literally that through the entire day. And what I would suggest is finding somebody that you trust deeply and not sending that shot list. And the reason why is if you want real pictures of your wedding, what's going to end up happening is that photographer is going to be paying more attention to getting every picture on that list and not what's happening in front of them. And I didn't know that early on when I was starting out. And I remember just getting so worked up thinking about, oh, did I get this? Then the schedule got off and I didn't have time to get that. And I was like, oh, is she going to be upset because I don't have this picture that she wanted to get and blah, 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 blah. So I would say if there are pictures that are massively important to you, you make sure you tell the photographer about those. But a play-by-play, I think you'll get photographs that you love way more of real moments if you allow the photographer to do their thing. Yeah. Anytime I see a shot list, like the one you described, I just instantly get a pain in my stomach because I know that the day then becomes about forcing those things to happen as opposed to them happening. But when it's something where my mom has just always talked about the moment that she's going to pin that boutonniere on my suit, 
then that's something you tell the photographer because you know that mom's going to be having feels and is probably going to want a photo from that moment. So like that is something that you would definitely share. Yeah. And you know, you can also set up things specifically for photos, like a first look with your dad or a first look with your mom or a first look with your bridesmaids. Like you can set those things up and just say, Hey, I really want to do these. I really want to do a special reveal, but you don't need to put like a whole shot list about that specific thing. Set up the scenario and the photographer should capture it. Yes. Something else I see sometimes is a couple will put together a Pinterest board of like, these are all the really cool, funny, romantic, whatever shots that we want from the day. And I think what often happens is we see these photos that are just so perfect and wonderful. And then we try to recreate them in totally different environments with different people, different photographers, different circumstances. And it's like, oh, that's not quite what happened. And that's where, like you said, going back to trusting that person to capture your day as genuinely and authentically as it's happening is really important. So if you have something in mind, understand that if you're trying to recreate it, it's rarely going to live up to your expectations. Yeah, that happened a couple of years ago where a past bride of mine really wanted a picture of her dress from the back with her standing in front of these big open windows holding like the curtains, curtains open. And I had a picture like that. I posted to Instagram and she saw it and she's like, oh, this is the picture I was which I wanted. But she got ready in like a downtown Philly hotel that doesn't have floor to ceiling windows. It just has like these little pocket windows and it's just impossible to get that kind of thing. And I had to be like, hey, listen, (laughs) I know we're getting ready. That's not going to happen. But we can do some other cool things and we'll make it happen. But the Pinterest thing, I'm okay with getting a Pinterest board. I don't have an ego about that. But I will say like, I'll use it for inspiration. Like if there's things that you really want that speak to you, yeah, I'll do that. I can get you a couple things and add it into my repertoire of things that I see in front of me that I know will be really great pictures. If I know that like doing a couple of these will make you happy. Yeah. But it's never about recreating that exact pose. Yes. It's getting a feel for the vibe that they want. So obviously the next thing is the wedding day happens. By this point, you know how they're going to be. You have some kind of relationship with them. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. You've done the work. You've summited your mountain and now you're on top and you're just looking at everything. You're coming with a photographer. They're going to capture amazing pictures. Awesome. The last part is what happens after the wedding. Really a couple things. Hopefully you are getting an album. And how photographers handle the album is a little bit different. They might invite you to their studio and you sit down and you go through like a whole slideshow and then you pick out your favorites and you make the album right there. Most photographers are going to send you a gallery of your photos and then you go through and you pick out your favorites and then you might get together or correspond over email or something like that to do your album. But the biggest question that most couples have is how long should they expect to wait to see their pictures after the wedding? And this is going to vary by photographer. (laughs) I know some photographers who get pictures back in like a week or two weeks. I would say the standard is going to be like four to six weeks. Hmm. Okay. I would have just said six to eight. Six to eight. Okay. Yeah. On the safe site. Three and a half to 8.2 weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then after you get your pictures back and the album and all that kind of stuff, it is about making sure that you are able to easily access those pictures in one form or another. Back the USB up 
USBs are not made to be long-term storage. It's super easy to have a Dropbox and you download all the pictures on your computer. If you get a USB, put them on your computer. If you get a digital download, get a Dropbox or Google Drive and upload all the pictures up there so you've got them in two places and have one set as like a, I'm not touching these. They're just in the archive. They're just sitting there. We're not touching them in case something bad happens. The catastrophic center place for all your pictures. Then, like I said, there's a really great website and it's the consumer version of my professional lab called M, Amazon Miller's, mpix.com and they are like i said the consumer version of my lab they do a amazing job with prints and things like that i would say literally if they give you a thousand pictures do it in little sets upload a hundred pictures or 200 or 300 pictures at once and just get prints made and when they all come back put them in a little book or put them in a shoebox or something and just keep them just so you can flip through them because there's not going to be a romance to flipping through a lighted screen in 30 years saying, oh, I love that one pressing next a thousand times. That's really true. And I think sometimes life just tends to happen. It's like, do it when you get it. Set a deadline for yourself to like get them all backed up and then, you know, a later deadline for all the prints that you want to do. But if you say like, oh, these are great, we'll go back to it. Like you're going to forget like life is just going to happen. So do yourself a solid, do your future self a favor and just take care of it while it's fresh and while it's exciting. And then, you know, it's done. You can cross that thing off your to-do list. Shoo. That was a lot of just like a brain dump. That was? Yeah, that was a big brain dump. So I hope that this cut through some of the things, gave you a little insight into some of the jargon and what to look for in different parts of the experience with your wedding photographer. Good job, Dan. So proud of you. Thanks, boss. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Put A Ring On It podcast. Before we wrap up this episode, we just want to send some love and gratitude and hugs to all of our patrons in the Ringer Club. We would not be here without you. Thank you so much. You are the best. Absolutely. And let's be real. Things are way easier when you have a solid support system who is going through it right alongside you. So please join the Ringer Club community today at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Just click the link in our show notes. The Ringer Club is the best way to support the show and receive direct access to Danielle and I. Plus, you have an entire community of Ringers helping too on Facebook. Membership is just eight bucks a month and we have a limited number of spots available at a lower monthly rate where you get all the same benefits. Again, that's patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Another way you can support the show is to rate, review, and subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram where you can catch some more tips, see Dan's amazing photos, and watch some of our behind the scenes shenanigans. Follow us at Put A Ring On It Podcast. Okay, Ringers, remember, we're here to help you. But no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding is going to be amazing. Because you rock. Until next time, Ringers. Dan, since you talked a lot this episode, can I do the dad joke today? Yeah, go for it. What do you got? Okay, so you know how you always like the llama joke? I do. I like the llama joke. I got a new llama joke. <laughs> oh, give it to me. What did one llama say to the other llama before their camping trip? What? I'll pack a bag. <laughs> I'll pack a bag. <laughs> <laughs> Hope other people enjoy the dad jokes as much as we do. I think we just do it because we're delirious at the end of recording and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> fun. It's fine. <laughs>
everything's fine. <laughs>